Omega-3 fatty acids are a real issue. There are several essential nutrients that are in short supply in a completely plant-based diet, and omega-3 fatty acids, especially EPA and DHA. The most important principles of diet, as far as I'm concerned, is to keep a steady stream of whole plant foods flowing through your digestive system and thus through your bloodstream and thus through your tissues day after day, week after week, month after month, bathing your tissues in all the wonderful phytonutrients and antioxidants inherent in plant foods and also supplying a food stream that is free of oxidized animal proteins, many of the free radicals that come from processed foods, the excessive sugars, hydrogenated oils, and all the chemical additives, the flavorings, colorings, preservatives, stabilizers, all the chemical soup in modern cuisine to free your tissues of, of that toxic load and just bathe your tissues in a healing river of phytonutrients day after day and it's hard to see how disease is going to get a, uh, a hold of uh, your body in that way. And uh, I think it's the best, most powerful uh, modality for turning disease around. So whole food plant-based diet in a, in a very long-winded answer, but one short phrase. I was a young general practitioner in British Columbia in the early 70s, and because I had adopted a plant-based diet, uh, people who were raising uh, their their own children and themselves on plant-based diets would seek me out. And I seemed to be default the team doctor for the vegans. And many of these young women would be pregnant. And because I was good at delivering babies and had training in obstetrics, I followed them along and had the pleasure of delivering uh, many of these babies. Did quite a few deliveries at home in the 1970s. Wouldn't do that today. And uh, when it came time for uh, me to put the baby in the mother's arms and the baby began to nurse, the mom would ask, uh, how long can I nurse for? Oh, a year or two, absolutely. What do we feed the baby after that? And I had to give serious thoughts of what is required to uh, have a healthy infant nourished all the way through uh, infancy and, uh, and young adulthood. And so I began to make a serious study of uh, childhood nutrition, and I realized that human beings have been nourishing themselves on plant-based diets since time began. They are doing so by the millions around the world today, and it's certainly theoretically possible to raise a child on completely plant-based foods. They need the same calories and proteins and vitamins and minerals that adults do. So I had to think, how could we uh, be able to provide those nutrients in a form that a, a tiny baby's stomach could uh, could handle. Of course, uh, babies are nursing on their mother's breast for the first couple of years, but it was time to wean them because they have such small stomachs, you can't uh, load them up with a lot of fiber, you can't give them celery and apples and lettuce. You need to make every mouthful count. So. Small children, the uh, reason you have to have very nutrient-dense foods, bean spreads and nut butters and, and hummus spreads and, and uh, uh, foods that are based on grains and legumes and uh, nuts and seeds and put into a pleasant tasting form that the child will enjoy. And uh, lo and behold, the children grew up 
big and strong. I've watched now three generations of these infants that were raised on plant-based diets grow into bright, strong, intelligent young adults who married other vegan men and women who then had a second generation of vegan children who I've now seen grow up and they are uh, now having their own children and they too are growing up big and strong and healthy. So there's no question in my mind that a whole food plant-based diet works from, during all stages of life and uh, with some smart planning it's, it's not that hard to raise a vegan child. Omega-3 fatty acids are a real issue. There are several essential nutrients that are in short supply in a completely plant-based diet and omega-3 fatty acids, especially EPA and DHA, are the most problematic. And of late, I've run into some rather disturbing studies that show that long-term vegans indeed uh, can have insufficient amount of these long-chain fatty acids in their brain tissue and other tissues. And so uh, I recommend that everyone who's nursing themselves on a plant-based diet be really aggressive in eating the uh, omega-3 containing foods, uh, dark green leafy vegetables, nuts, seeds, walnuts, uh, flax seeds, chia seeds, etc. But if there's any question that they're not getting those type of whole food nutrients or they may have additional needs for them or I see any signs of depression, dry skin, etc., I don't hesitate to recommend uh, 300 to 600 milligrams of algae-derived uh, DHA, docosahexaenoic acid. Uh, and I think it's a, a safe and reasonable thing to do these days. I uh, think it's important to give it to growing infants, and now I see it's important to give it to adults as well. So uh, I'm a fan of supplemental DHA, uh, unless the person is obviously supplying their own needs without it. If there's any question, I'll do a finger stick blood test uh, and do a fatty acid profile and see exactly where they are and what their needs might be. Indeed, uh, we're talking about uh, vitamin B12, uh, the cobalamin family of vitamins that are absolutely essential in uh, moving methyl groups around, turning genes on, turning genes off. It's essential for nerve function, for bone marrow and blood function. And it's an essential nutrient that no animal makes. Uh, B12 is made in uh, the soil by organisms that live in the soil by soil bacteria. And cows and sheep and deer and antelope and moose and gazelles, they all have vitamin B12 in their tissues because they're eating grass all day. And they're pulling up clumps of grass that have soil particles clinging to the roots. And in these soil particles are these B12 producing bacteria. Now the grazing animal will swallow the B12 producing bacteria. The B12 is then absorbed and deposits in the animal's muscle. And if you kill the animal and eat its flesh, yes, you will get vitamin B12 that way. Uh, however, the animal didn't make it. The cow didn't make it. The antelope didn't make it. This is bacterial B12 from the soil. Now, we Homo sapiens, human beings, uh, we used to get our vitamin B12 the same way. You know, we spent all day in ancient times foraging for calories. We'd pull up roots and tubers out of the ground and eat them, and we weren't washing them in chlorinated water. We certainly would swallow some uh, vitamin B12 uh, producing bacteria when we ate these unwashed vegetables. When it, we got ourselves thirsty, uh, it was time to get a drink, we'd find the nearest stream and plop down and we'd drink stream water. And 
there'd be B12 in the stream water. It would wash into the water after every rainstorm. The animals would deposit it in the, in the stream as they walked through. And so between the unwashed vegetables, the stream water, well water when, when municipal wells were dug, there used to be the same vitamin B12 flowing through our tissues as uh, with the deer and the antelope and the, uh, and the grazing animals. But welcome to the 21st century. Nobody is eating unwashed vegetables. No one is drinking out of streams. And due to modern sanitation, uh, the vitamin B12 has essentially dropped out of the plant eater's diet. And it's for that reason, uh, not because uh, uh, the uh, plant-based diet is any more or less deficient than an animal-based diet. Uh, again, the animal doesn't make, these, uh, make the vitamin B12 either. I, I view animal flesh as just um, a carrier, a vitamin tablet, if you will. So uh, I think it's absolutely essential that all plant eaters uh, consume a supplemental source of vitamin B12 uh, because we're all drinking sanitized, chlorinated drinking water these days. I see a great obsession and preoccupation with people's cholesterol numbers, their LDL, HDL ratios, their particle size, all of this homing down on, on their lipid profiles, trying to find that combination that provides protection against the atherosclerotic plaque forming in their arteries. But I find all that attention on numbers and ratios to be misplaced. Uh, yeah, cholesterol plaques do not form in the arteries just because the cholesterol gets to a certain threshold amount and it just sticks to the artery walls. Those cholesterol plaques form as a result of injury to the artery walls, repeated injuries in the form of, of uh, oxidizing agents, cigarette smoke, oxidized animal proteins, uh, uh, free radicals from fried foods. Uh, stress hormones, too much sugar in the diet, all these chemical insults injure the precious endothelial lining that lines the arteries. And these repeated injuries are the first step. Uh, once, the, uh, once the endothelial lining is injured, then oxidized cholesterol flowing through the bloodstream insinuates itself into the wall of the artery, and this incites a big inflammatory reaction, and, and the plaque builds up as a result of this inflammatory reaction. This is an injury, and this is an inflammatory reaction, not just a passive accumulation of cholesterol uh, because your level's at so, such and such a, a level. And for that reason, uh, the body is perfectly capable of healing itself. You're constantly uh, uh, growing new uh, endothelial lining cells. Uh, your bone marrow is constantly putting out showers of stem cells that act like paving stones and reupholster this endothelial lining. The, bo uh, the body wants to heal. These plaques will regress, but you have to stop the ongoing injury. You have to stop the, the cooked animal protein and the free radicals and the sugars and the stress hormones and the cigarette smoke and all these accumulated injuries. If you do that and then consume a whole food plant-based diet so your artery linings are bathed with resveratrol and, and sulforaphanes and all these healing phytonutrients, as the weeks go by and the months go by, the free radicals are quenched, the atherosclerotic plaques start to get smaller, the endothelial lining uh, repaves itself, and arteries heal. It's a reversible disease, just like, uh, just like an infection or a broken bone. 
And so for that reason, rather than prescribing statins and other toxic agents, what's required is remove the injury and supply the healing nutrients that the body's looking for. And, and clogged arteries open up and angina goes away and claudication uh, leaves the legs and uh, people wind up with clean arteries. And, and that's a, a great marker for a long, healthy life. Well, type 1 diabetes is a virtual lack of insulin because the pancreas has been injured. The beta cells just are not putting out insulin. And uh, these folks are going to have to be very modest in the sugar loads that they consume. And they're going to have to be taking some type of exogenous insulin in some form or another until pancreas transplants or uh, other stem cell wizardry can, uh, can give them the ability to synthesize synthesize their own insulin. But that's about 10% of the people with a diagnosis of diabetes. 80-90% of the people who are uh, pronounced diabetic in this country now have type 2 diabetes. Their, their pancreas puts out lots and lots of insulin. The problem is that their insulin receptors are all clogged up, and they're clogged up with the fat that they've been eating, the olive oil, the egg yolks, the cheese, the meat fats. All these fats clog up the insulin receptors from the inside. Uh, fats accumulate called intramyocellular lipid, uh, accumulates in the muscle cells. These clog up the insulin receptors. And it was the fats that was making Kempner's uh, patients diabetic. Well, he put them on a very, very low-fat diet. He basically fueled them with carbohydrates only in the rice and the fruit. And in, when the body is given that kind of fuel load, it will burn that intramyocellular lipid for energy, and the insulin receptors open up. And whatever little insulin these people were producing suddenly worked fine. And for that reason, even though he was giving them substantial amounts of sugar to metabolize with open insulin receptors and their own moderate uh, insulin production, uh, they're able to metabolize this quite well. It's the fat that causes the problems of the type 2 diabetics, not the sugar. So Kempner took advantage of that physiology. Cancer, of course, is a very fearsome disease, and uh, one can't be too arrogant in the face of uh, this uh, fearsome, fearsome medical foe. That said, I've been fortunate enough to practice medicine at a time where I've seen evidence that various types of cancer certainly can be reversed, and I give my colleagues in pharmaceutical medicine great credit uh, for agents that have been involved, especially in the treatment of childhood leukemia and lymphomas. It's such a, a comforting, miraculous state that we're in because when I started medicine in the 60s, a little child got chronic myelogenous leukemia or some other blood dyscrasia like that. Their days were numbered and it was just so sad to watch these children die. And now we can offer these children great hope. Uh, most of these leukemias are now curable. And to even use that word, the same sentence with leukemia, uh, is a real tribute to, uh, to our colleagues in pharmaceutical medicine. That said, however, childhood leukemias are a relatively small fraction of the malignant disease that Americans have to deal with, far more common. Uh, is breast cancer, uh, prostate cancer, lung cancer. Those are the three uh, most common cancers along with colon cancer. Lung cancer, of course, the majority is from smoking and uh, whether that's reversible or not, uh, it's certainly preventable. No one should be inhaling hot smoke into their lungs for any reason. 
But when it comes to these other cancers, certainly breast and prostate cancer, there is a huge nutritional component. These are hormone-driven cancers. They are driven um, by estrogens and, and uh, androgens. And the milieu that makes these uh, cancers uh, more aggressive. It has to do with uh, excessive amounts of fat, especially vegetable oils in the diet, makes the makes tissues unstable and more likely undergo malignant change. Uh, a lack of vitamin D, uh, another stabilizing agent, will set the stage for malignant change. And uh, the, the hormones that uh, people ingest while eating the standard American diet, all the, uh, uh, the estrogens in cow's milk pro products, and milk and cheese and ice cream and yogurt are made from the milk of large pregnant bovines. They're full of estrogens. Uh, there are estrogenic pesticides, estrogenic hormones uh, in meats and dairy products, and people are eating lots of dairy and meat and chicken. Uh, they're bathing their tissues with, uh, with hormones and hormone-like molecules that promote cancer growth. Uh, the same thing with men eating uh, lots of testosterone precursors and all their red meat. And, uh, and realize also that uh, meat, animal muscle, as well as uh, dairy products, both of them st uh, stimulate the production of insulin-like growth factor one. This is the most potent growth-promoting substance known to biology, and people who consume lots of meat produce their own IGF-1. Uh, but uh, if you're eating cow's milk products, you're eating preformed IGF-1. That mother cow wants to give that baby calf lots of IGF-1 to grow, which is fine if you're a baby calf, not fine if you're a woman with a breast cancer or a man with a prostate cancer. So you've got this tremendous carcinogenic drive, this cancer-producing drive from the American diet. Well, it's now um, a very exciting time because we're finding that the very same nutritional program that reverses uh, clogged arteries and lowers high blood pressure, a whole food plant-based diet, will also, uh, we're now evidence showing up that it was, seems in, in many people, especially with early prostate cancers, early breast cancers, to have the ability to pretty much stop these early cancers in their tracks um, for two reasons, of course. One, uh, almost by definition, those animal-based growth-promoting substances are immediately removed when you adopt a whole food plant-based diet. Plus, the phytonutrients in the dark green leafy vegetables, sulforaphanes and uh, isocyanates and other ones are, are stabilized and they have an anti-cancer uh, effect that, uh, that stabilizes cell membranes. So between taking away the carcinogenic drive and, and, and uh, adding the stabilizing substances and correcting any vitamin D deficiencies, where there are now many instances showing up of, um, of breast and prostate cancer cancers uh, being arrested and even reversed. And at our very own clinic at True North Health Center in Santa Rosa, California, I was uh, privileged uh, a few months ago to have a, a woman come in, a 44-year-old woman with a lymphoma, and uh, she had lymph nodes in her groin the size of pigeon eggs. And she did a 23-day water fast followed by a whole food plant-based diet. And right before my eye, though, those big lymph nodes just basically shrink away. And we have the CT scans before and after uh, that show the marked reduction of the lymph nodes. And her blood count has returned to normal. And 
granted, it's still in the early stages, but it, we have every indication that uh, that uh, a water fast followed by a whole food plant-based diet uh, was very effective in melting away this woman's lymphoma. So there's great power in these nutritional modalities to deal even with something as fearsome as cancer. And I'm very optimistic for what the future can hold with these uh, nutritional therapies for malignant disease. <laughs> the older I get and the more I appreciate the human condition, the more I realize how much more vast we are than just this collection of cells and skin and arteries and nerves. Uh, we are uh, magnificent energy beings without sounding too ethereal and too Southern California. Uh, someone said we are not um, physical beings have a, having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience here. And there's all sorts of clever plays on that, but clearly uh, I see the power of the human heart to overcome adversity, including uh, overcoming physical disease. I feel the, the desire, say, of this woman who recently cured herself of a lymphoma. She came in with such an intent. I'm going to clear this out. I'm going to do a long fast and a clean diet, and I'm going to melt this tumor away. And indeed, it was her intent, her, the energy of her being, I believe, was by far uh, the determining factor in, in her um, resolving this, uh, this malignant disease. The qualities, and, this, and the literature is, is redolent with uh, so many examples of, of people who've hung on in desperate situations just on hope and determination and, and forced their bodies to, to go beyond what would normally uh, be uh, limits that, uh, that, would, uh, that normal physics and physiology would impose. Uh, the, the importance we have of our connection to each other. We are tribal beings. We do not do well uh, without love in our lives. And so again, it sounds a little trite, a little hokey, but one of the most terrible things is turning out that you can do to someone and, and the, the complaints are bubbling to the surface uh, from the prison system is put someone in solitary confinement week after week after week, cut off all connection with other human beings. It is probably the most extreme punishment you can inflict on someone. It just shows how deeply we need each other, how deeply hearts need to resonate with each other. It's been known for a long time that if you do not pick, if you have new, little newborn babies, you don't pick them up and, and cuddle them uh, and give them tactile demonstration of love and security. They stop eating, they go into anaclytic depression, they develop marasmus and they die. It's, we're, we are that love dependent. And, and of course, lack of love makes people do sad and desperate things from use drugs to abuse each other. Uh, one might say the greatest disease of all is lack of love, and that's what this world is suffering from at this point. As many popular singers have said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only, just the only thing there's just too little of, and it really is true. I see so many of my patients come in for sleep problems. They want sleeping pills and antidepressants and, and things for their aches and pains, and the truth is, 
they're missing love in their life is really what those they want those pills to make that ache go away of, of, of the great lack that they have in their lives and you want to reach out and, and give them some love uh, just to help help them feel better so I've been more and more impressed um, you can give people all the antibiotics and anti-inflammatories that you want but unless they they love themselves enough to want to heal unless they they have something to go to uh, back when, when they leave your office, they have a community or a stable, loving family, uh, then, then they're kind of lost souls and, and physical medicine shrinks in its ability to heal them. But if they have love, they have hope, they have determination, uh, then uh, most of what I do becomes superfluous. Uh, the body knows how to heal itself very well and, uh, and it's been such a joy in medicine to, uh, to watch the power of love and connection bring such magnificent healing into people's lives. I used to enjoy eating out in restaurants, uh, not so much anymore. Uh, the more I'm aware of the adverse effect of foods rich with salt and sugar and fat and what it does to my body, I realize that most restaurant food is precisely that. It's basically salt, sugar, and fat. And very often as I'm leaving the Indian restaurant or the Chinese restaurant, uh, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm sorry I walked in here. I'm, I'm feeling heavy and greasy. I know my blood pressure is going up. And so I try to avoid uh, restaurant food as much as possible. But on those occasions, social necessity um, takes me into a restaurant setting. I try to make it as least a damaging experience as possible. And so I have a couple of strategies. One uh, is that before I go out to eat, I eat. I, uh, I have a, a, a salad, an apple. And I can hear my mother saying, you're going to ruin your appetite doing that. And I'm thinking that's exactly what I want to do uh, so I don't walk into the restaurant famished and polish off a basket of bread before the waiter gets there. And uh, I will then look to find the healthiest things I can on the menu in the Italian restaurant. I'll find the minestrone soup and the broccoli rob and the side vegetables and, uh, and a salad. And that's enough because I've gotten to the point, you know, I'm there to be with my friends. I have no obligation to stuff myself with unhealthy food just because I'm in a restaurant. And you know, it, I'm a grown man. It's nobody's business what I order for lunch or dinner. It's, it's none of my business what they order. And, and I don't want to make a big scene. When, when people have given their orders, I don't want to stand out and say, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegan, I can't eat this. I say nothing. I just catch the waiter's eye or the lady's, well, the wait person's eye, and have them come over and I'll show them in the menu. Oh, this looks good. Can you can your chef make this without uh, the chicken? Oh, sure, we can do that, sir. Uh, can they make this without the cheese? And and can you sauté the veggies in in broth instead of oil? Oh, we can do that, sir. Thank you. Done. You don't have to make a big scene out of it. So you do the best you can, enjoy your friends, and then get out of there as soon as you can. And so uh, restaurants uh, can be a, a challenge, uh, but they don't have to be a, an unqualified disaster for your health. If people want to contact me, I invite you to go to my website, www.drclapper.com, and those are all spelled out, those two words, D-O-C-T-O-R-K-L-A-P-E-R, -E one P in Clapper, drclapper.com. 
And if anyone would like to uh, contact me at the True North Health Center, where I'm working the phone number in Santa Rosa, California, about an hour north of San Francisco, is every code 707-586-5555. I do many consultations by phone, but also I enjoy doing Skype and FaceTime consultations. I love to see the people as I'm talking to them. So I invite people to uh, call the front desk at True North and arrange such a consultation. Uh, but please come to drclapper.com. You'll find lots of articles and webinars, including uh, the recent one I've just done on thriving on a plant-based diet. So uh, come to drclapper.com and you and I think you'll uh, find many worthwhile features there. Please give us a review on iTunes, and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be Block, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power and Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.